0: You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello, welcome to the RUV English podcast. My name is Darren Adam. Thank you very much as ever for your company. And my guest today is Andre Menchenin, who is an aviation journalist. He joins me to tell us about the history of Reykjavik domestic airport, the airport that's right in the heart of the city. He's got his own views as well. About what should and what shouldn't happen to that particular airport. but we discussed, as well, the history of the airport, and he told me that for some people, it's still surprising that there is an airport right in the centre of Iceland's capital.
1: Not many people actually aware about the airport. I remember like several years ago, there was uh, uh, people who were visiting. Uh, Reykjavik, like Mm. official delegation, when they mentioned there's the airport in the downtown, they were like, do you mean Keplavik? I was not no, there's a a whole huge airport just like a couple kilometers from the downtown. They were very surprised. Yeah, so if we are talking about the Reykjavik airport, uh, you can say there are two two main dates when uh, it's all started. Uh, Because first there is like, the first flight in Iceland, and then there is actually the airport itself. So if we are just uh, really digging to the very roots mm. of the of the whole story, then it's all started in 1919, uh, allegedly in in uh, in spring of 1919, when there were uh, several people, several Icelanders decided to actually uh, uh, to 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 start a new airline, the very first airline in Iceland. Uh, And this is long before Kaplavik, isn't it? It's long before the Kaplavik. It's decades before the Kaplavik. And uh, so in 1919, they decided that, okay, the time has come. uh, There should be aviation in Iceland. So let's start it and what they did as you uh, can guess uh, they went to denmark mm-hmm. and they start to negotiate with the, with the uh, danish airline there uh, to buy a, one of the planes and to uh, bring it to iceland so back then this danish airline which was founded only 1 year before they visit in 1918 okay. they uh, basically they bought 3 planes from uh, uk mm-hmm. And it was just like a two-seater, well, you can imagine 1990, the aviation of that yeah. period. Yeah. So it was, of course, with the prop with a propeller, uh, just a piston aircraft, a two-seater, open cabin. So Icelanders said that, okay, you have three planes, we buy one of them, and we will deliver it to Iceland. So they made uh, agreement, uh, they take one of the planes, like, uh, disassemble it, they take it apart, put it in a container, mm-hmm. put it in a mm-hmm. ship, and deliver it to Iceland. And it was already in the summer when the uh, aircraft uh, had come to Iceland, and uh, so they tried to assemble it, uh, try try to test it, and everything. And as you can imagine, as you can imagine, there was no place to take off, like no like a proper airport or like runway or something, because it was very new thing. It's like with nothing about aviation at mm-hmm. all in Iceland. Uh, so. They put it together, uh, and then they decided there is time for the first flight, and it was 3rd of September. Uh, I like how precise we know the all details about it. But it's 3rd of September, 5 p.m., when the plane first, in 1919, when the plane first took off from, uh, from the area, it's called Vatsmiri, in the south of, in, to the south of the Reykjavik Peninsula, where the airport right now, but back then it was just a field. You know? So
0: where was that plane going then? The first flight from?
1: It was from Reykjavik, Reykjavik. to Reykjavik. Oh, so they made... that's a bit
0: disappointing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it was very first. there it was right. very first flight, first ever flight in Iceland. They uh, just flew one circle. Above the town mm. and landed. It was barely more than five minutes flight.
0: Right. So this is nineteen nineteen. As you were talking there, I was just checking to see what the population of the city was, and it was about 18,000 Then you which can is a, imagine a, a fraction ha- of what it is. You
1: like. can imagine how they were all surprised when they saw a yeah. plane in the in the air. Like it was a very new thing uh, back then. And uh, because, I mean, even now some people are scared because of the planes when they're flying low over the Reykjavik. You know, you can imagine how it was more than 100 years ago. Yeah,
0: they come very close to the road, don't they? The plane will, by necessity, fly very low as you're driving along. Exactly,
1: exactly. So, and um, they landed. Of course, first of all, I had to mention the name of the guy who was flying. Uh, Mm. It was not Eisender. uh, His name uh, was uh, Cécile Faber. And uh, he was a pilot who especially came for this occasion to Iceland. So it was probably just another story of his adventure, how he came here, why, Mm. and so on. Uh, But uh, after that, after the successful flight on the 3rd of September, they decided, of course, to carry on and continue. And it's interesting that they established uh, immediately this kind of like entertainment for people they uh, started to advertise that now uh, you can just go and uh, fly on a plane over a Reykjavik. It costed 25 kronos, and it was just a five minutes flight at a height of 800 meters. And you, uh, in in some like in a museum, there mm-hmm. are even like a, this small. Of course, there were no like tickets or something mm-hmm. back then. It was like first flights. Ever in history, so there were just like small papers where you can see that says like uh, like name of the passenger. And it says, like, that this uh, passenger mentioned above uh, has flown on 800 metres height uh, yeah. for, like, uh, 10, minutes. ten, ten yeah. 5 minutes, yes.
0: So, I mean, very briefly, just put that in context in terms of aviation in the rest of the world. This is 1919, so it's it's very far back into the last century. Like, s- six, well,
1: 16 years after the first flight, basically. Yeah. You can say it's w- one of the first, like, very early stage of aviation in the yeah. world, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because... Uh, yeah, there was in, all over the world. Well, if you say like in the US or like in the USSR, there maybe already uh, the vision was more developed. But uh, well, in Europe, more or less uh, in Iceland, well, it still was very, very early mm-hmm. stage. And yeah.
0: so, so the, you got these pleasure flights uh, for twenty-five yes. kroner. I can't do the sums in my head to work out what that would be in today's money. But the fact that they were possible is really interesting. I did not know this. That this was the first flight in Iceland in the history of those flights and from the domestic airport at, at Reykjavik, the history of which we are discussing.
1: Yeah, there is interesting detail. So uh, from 3rd of, to 25th of September, they made 146 trips, and it's pretty a lot. That's a lot. That and a lot. and most of them, of course, were just uh, these pleasure flights over Reykjavik for five, five minutes, uh, but not all of them. And uh, we know that on 17th of September, just uh two weeks after the very first flight in Iceland, they attempted to fly uh, to the place it's called uh, Kaldarnes e Floa. Mm. So they landed, uh, they flew there, they landed there, and the next uh, stop supposed to be Westman Air. Mm. Westman Islands. Uh, yeah, Westman Islands. Uh, but apparently uh, the weather was bad, as as we know how often <laughs> it can be in Iceland, yes. if, even for modern aviation, you know. Uh, So they failed with this attempt and they just went back to Reykjavik and uh, after 25th of September, they gave up for aviation for that year. They just took apart the plane, put it back in the container and (laughs) said, okay, for the winter, it will be there and uh, they flights... disassembled it, they actually yes. broke it back down. And... No, yeah, yeah, it's a basi- because it uh, it arrived in container uh, yeah. with, with the part, so they just took it like a constructor, yeah. uh, put it back in the container and just stored until spring. So, okay. like, as we know, no no flights in Iceland <laughs> during the winter, you <laughs> yeah, know,
0: the, the planes in the box, we can't fly you anywhere.
1: Yes, yes, so that was the very first flight, the very first experience for Icelanders to mm. fly over the Iceland.
0: Okay, so so that flight then to the West Isles wasn't possible. Yeah. When did the airport start being used to transport people and things from one place to another?
1: After 20 years, more than 20 years after this, this first flight. Really? Yeah. So the story goes that, okay, uh, just to put it some in some context, you can imagine this aviation back then in the 2030s. Uh, it was very, like, mostly small planes. They didn't fly long uh, long routes long distances and uh, the the most of the planes which came back then twice and it was uh, planes with floods so they land actually on the water okay So you can say that back then in um, in the like 20s or 30s, the seaport of Reykjavik was much more aviation place <laughs> than actually the... where did they land? So on the
0: water, whereabouts? Where was the, uh, the landing they, area?
1: they 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 could land on any any calm water. so no. like, for example, seaport is uh, if it's cleared of like traffic, uh, then it's pretty yeah. good place. but, but
0: not Lake Tjornin in the city centre that wouldn't be.
1: No, that would be too short distance, <laughs> I guess. yeah, okay. Uh, of course, because of the safety, also yeah. they, they needed more uh, more distance to land and take off, uh, and uh, so most of these planes they were these ambitious planes with with the floats, mm. so uh, and uh, the the main mean for cross Atlantic flights back then, it was actually not the planes, mm. uh, but it was uh, this huge thing, uh, one of one of which arrived in Iceland in uh, 1931 and was named Graf Zeppelin. (laughs)
0: So we're talking about the Zeppelins uh, yeah. at this point. Just a little sidebar on that must have seemed like the future of aviation for back, a short period. Back,
1: back then, yes, yeah, because yeah. Uh, yeah. they don't need any any airfield. Basically, they're just yeah. small place to yeah. to you know unload mm. to unload. But basically, when that was
0: a diversion, I suppose from what we now know is the history of, it, of aviation. Yeah, it was
1: one of the branch of the of yeah, the yeah. of the evolution which eventually yeah, yeah. stopped there.
0: Yeah. Again, looking at the domestic airport, then we've we had this twenty-year gap really between the pleasure flights and and, and destinations being. So, so
1: there, there, there were flights, there were flights uh, across Iceland, mm-hmm. and there, so. But me- most, uh, mostly, it was just some attempts to, like, you know, there were many, many first times back then. It was like first time to fly from point A to point B in yeah. Iceland. To, and like with different planes, with different pilots, uh, some different maybe expeditions who attempted to fly across uh, the ocean. And they stayed in, in, in Iceland for for refuel and everything. Uh, so these 20 years, well, not 20 years, because as you know, in 1939, the war has started, mm, the World War II. Mm, mm. So you can say... You can say this, uh, yeah, actually, maybe actually 20 years, yeah. It was mostly the period of of this, uh, like, to try new things in aviation. Yeah. Not only in Iceland, all over the world, but also in Iceland.
0: So as we look at the history of the domestic airport, just on a, a separate timeline here then, we've got, and we will not get too far into this because it's a whole other story, Keplavik, yeah. the international airport, develops from the Americans' involvement. Yeah. So when does it open? When is it recognisably an airport? For- the,
1: the Keplavik? Yeah. Uh, it was after Reykjavik airport. Yeah. And it was several years after. But we're we, we going there because I, w- I was going to say that um, uh, actually how the Reykjavik airport was started there. It was started by British air, uh, forces. As you know, uh, Iceland was occupied by British Army during the World War mm. II mm. at first, and then Americans came after them. Uh, so when British uh, air forces came, they o- obviously they needed some place to stay, to store their planes and everything. And uh, they, they actually created an airport, but it was not in Reykjavik. It was in some other place. And uh, only in 1940... And the first half of 1940, they decided that there uh, should be another airport close to the harbor uh, because it was more uh, easy for them to, to, for example, intercept German planes, which are, uh, which were doing uh, recon flights mm-hmm. over Iceland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they 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 just unloaded some containers with the planes. Actually, it was uh, pretty famous British uh, fighters, uh, Hurricanes, Hawker Hurricanes. And they just stored them there on the field near Reykjavik, and uh, you can say that was the very first time when the planes were actually stored in the area, which is now within the airport.
0: Right. So that would be that's one of the points that we can look at and say that was the beginning. It's one
1: of, of, of the of, of yeah, it's one doing. one of the milestones, and then uh, and then uh, so they decided that they they need an airport there and, um, uh, but actually. When they when they made this decision, it was already some kind of a construction was already made there, mm. an attempt to uh, to do this because there were uh, Icelandic aviation enthusiasts who wanted to to make a proper airfield even before the war, and then the British came and these Icelanders say, but we already started to mark the runway, so we yes. maybe can just use the same. Uh, the and, same blueprints. and
0: no pressure really in in any sort of recognizable way on land use in the city center. That obviously there is today. This land wasn't as valuable as it
1: is. All houses were pretty far, you can say, from yes. from that area back then, because the Reykjavik itself was much smaller, of course, uh, and with the less population, as you as you checked before. Mm. But in terms of the land, uh, yeah, uh, we had this date, November 16 of 1940. When there, when there was a temporary law issued, uh, which allowed the government to expropriate all the land in the area for the for the new airport, so it was officially done there. Okay. And then, and then, British start to 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 the whole construction, and it was going on during several months. Uh, as you know, all construction process is pretty difficult in Iceland, even with modern technologies, mm. and mm. because of the soil and everything. Uh, and especially the back then, and then uh, there was one one thing in um, in uh, May 1941, when there was one of the British uh, aircraft uh, was in emergency situation with engine failure, and they decided to land like just somewhere, and this uh, airport in Reykjavik, which was still was under construction, was their best option back then. So they somehow landed. The yeah. only
0: option, maybe. The <laughs> only option, yes,
1: true. So yeah. they they landed there. Uh, no, no, nobody. Nothing was damaged. The plane, sur- like everyone, survived. But the plane survived. Then the mechanics came there on a s- smaller plane, and uh, to to repair uh, the the military plane. And and uh, then uh, the commander of of the British Air Force, mm. the, he unders- uh, he realized how high the demand for the Reykjavik airport. What they did, they uh, put a lot of effort in it, and uh, from the uh from the April th- uh, like yeah, from the spring to September 1, during this short summer period in Iceland, they uh, just extended a lot like they put um, many labor force to this airport just to finish it as mm. as fast as possible. And uh, it's na- it's uh, mentioned there were several hundreds of people came to build this airport. Mostly Icelanders.
0: Well, I, I want to move to the, the point, you know, post-war, once it's up and running, once it's being used, once it's serving destinations, yeah. presumably the other parts of Iceland are acquiring their own landing strips or airports as well because you, it's all very well flying to Eilstadia if the, <laughs> unless sure. there's nowhere to actually land the plane. So so there must have been a development of, of domestic aviation in Iceland prompted by Reykjavik having its, its airport, I guess.
1: Yeah, of course, Reykjavik was uh, important hub back then for the for the domestic flights. Um, again, there is a very separate story of the of the Icelandic airline Flugvæl uh, Iceland's, uh, but which which is not topic of our today conversation because it's a very big one. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, after after the war, there were several uh, Icelandic airlines uh, who uh, who were established the uh, flights hmm. from, from Reykjavik. But uh, just back to your question at the very beginning, when the first scheduled flights began from uh, Reykjavik airport, it was 1942. 1942, there was uh, Flugvieles Assistance acquired the first twin-engine aircraft. Uh, and it was eight-seater, uh, eight, eight people on board, Yeah, uh, like Beechcraft D-18, and it flew from Reykjavik to Akureyri, Elister and Hopnefjörder.
0: Could you fly internationally then from that airport at this time?
1: Uh, it's hard. No, I don't think so because, well, uh, again, it was World War II, so probably what was not that big well, uh, de- af- demand. After the
0: war, if somebody wanted to fly to London, say, or Paris or, or out of Iceland, when did that become possible? Did people have to wait until the uh, international airport at Keplovik was open or, or was it possible to fly from Reykjavik?
1: Uh, it was possible to fly from Reykjavik uh, with certain limitations uh, due to some, you know, technologies back then. Mm, mm. Uh, so, as you probably know, the f- very first jet plane uh, appeared in Iceland in 1967. So, before that, there were some routes on these uh, piston and turbopro planes to Faroe Island, for example, and to the UK. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, it was not, like, b- before this point, uh, it was not that, uh, that much... Possible to yeah. fly to fly all like this long distances, of course. Sure.
0: So, so I mean, the jet changed everything, and the international airport, which maybe we can cover again in the future, obviously changed everything as well. So, so Reykjavik yeah. started as a domestic airport and and was maintained as that. Large.
1: The, Kepl- uh, the the reason why Keflavik uh, became main international airport actually it's because when in 1967 Icelanders obtained this very first jet, which was uh, Boeing 100 C, uh, they were not allowed to use jet in Reykjavik. So they uh, eventually they had to move all the international flights to Kepplevik and this is how Kepplevi grown very fast yeah. after that. So can, can Reykjavik handle a jet then? It could, but I guess it was b- because of the noise pollution yeah, yeah, mostly. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so
0: that was a kind of natural division then between the two airports. Yeah So, so Reykjavik has this domestic airport. It's a busy airport. It's not the biggest in the world, but it's, it's always serving passengers. Let's get closer to where we are. Mm-hmm. Now then, in twenty twenty three. Well it did start at the, the I don't know, the start of the century when there was a referendum on whether or not the airport should be moved out of the city centre. And A slim majority of people in 2001 voted in favor of moving the airport, but it wasn't a binding referendum.
1: So just two years before that, uh, we need to mention it, uh, there's renovation of the airport started. So back then they actually uh, made bigger runways and they uh, put significant attempts to to make it more safer. They put some navigational equipment named ILS, uh, Instrument landing System, uh, which is uh, crucial for landing when you don't see the runway. <laughs> so just guides you to the runway to, for the safe landing. And yeah, then there was this uh, referendum in 2001 and there was uh, 49.3% voted for moving the airport out of the city center, but uh, 48%, 48.1%, so just like... Uh, less than two uh, percent the difference yeah, between them, yeah. they actually voted to to for for it remaining in place at least until two thousand sixteen, when uh, the urban plans expired. And but yeah, as you mentioned, um, many s- noticed that this referendum was not actually legal to one hundred percent because mm. there were some uh, violations of the procedure. For example, there was uh there was no given um chance to vote for those who were absent from the city like yes and the, the, the turnout vacations. was
0: under 40 percent I think was the threshold which uh, was, it wasn't, yeah it wasn't yeah fine. but what that shows and I wonder whether you think it's still the case certainly then that the city was very divided on whether the airport should stay where it is well we don't know,
1: <laughs> we don't know whom they asked back then so but, it, but
0: everyone seems to have an opinion and you, you do hear both sides of the argument that's true still, that's don't true
1: you? so uh, uh the main reasons for those who voted to, to move it uh, away from the downtown, it was, uh, uh, according to them, first of all, there was no- noise pollution. Mm. Uh, and also there were some safety concerns because of low flying planes over the b- living areas. Yes. And also um, they thought that this uh, huge area that ca- it can be put in the, in the use in a much better way. Well, maybe for some, again, mm. living quarters, I don't know. But uh, yeah, then there, when then there is another party uh, who said that no, it cannot be demolished and closed because it's essential link for all domestic uh, routes yes. f- to all well to, to the whole Iceland and also uh, now even to some flights to Greenland, for example.
0: And on that, I think I'm right in saying that a lot of the limited number of international flights that did go from the domestic airport to the Faroes and to Greenland have now actually moved to Keplavik. An example, in fact, my partner is coming over from Edinburgh uh, before he moves here full-time, and he is having to, because of a lack of direct flights to Edinburgh on the weekend that he's here, Mm -hmm. he's having to fly via the Faroes to return to Edinburgh. But the flight to the Faroes goes from Keplavik and not from Reykjavik and he was rather hopeful it would be from Reykjavik because that would be very convenient
1: and also uh, as you as another another reason to keep this airport in the downtown from my opinion as uh, as we just saw this example this winter when Keplavik was not available at all during uh, during the winter storm. yes because this road which connects uh, Keplavik with the Reykjavik is just blocked by by the weather and uh, it was pretty uh, first time I can say when uh, Icelanders established these very domestic, I would say, roads between yes. Keplavik and Reykjavik, just delivering people by planes.
0: Yes. Which, Which planes were they using?
1: Then? They actually use 757. It's a, it's a, you, you can use them for long haul flights. Uh, but now, well, uh, for 757, just another story. In Iceland, uh, now they even use the 757 on domestic roads, which is huge plane for this kind of yeah, flights. Yeah, so, a
0: 757 is a hell of a sight in, in the domestic airport, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And, and again, I was fascinated by the necessity of doing that because I guess if you take off in a plane, certainly a 757 from Keplavik, you're not going to spend much time in the sky before you're landing again at, at, at Reykjavik. These couldn't have been five, very long flights.
1: Like se- five, seven minutes. Really? With, 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 with all with all turns because, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, and uh, so we can just see how Reykjavik is essential. Reykjavik Airport is essential in downtown of Reykjavik. And also mm. uh, we should mention the ambulance flights. So uh, just if we... Step into the history for a moment again. Yes. I have this date here that uh, I think was probably one of the first ambulance flights, which happened on, uh, as we precisely know, on Sunday, October 12, 1941, when there was one of the soldiers uh, delivered uh, from Akureyri to uh, Reykjavik with appendicitis and he couldn't be operated in in Akureri, so he needed this medical assistance mm. and uh, so it all started in 1941 and since then there were thousands or maybe now already like dozens of thousands of people were delivered like this for mm. for medical assistance
0: is there space near to the center for an alternative because one option that some people have spoken about who want to see the domestic airport moved from where it is for some of the reasons that we've discussed, but at the same time recognise the importance of there being a domestic airport and say, well, is there somewhere close to but not in Reykjavik that could be used? Is that part of any future conversation, do you think?
1: Uh, so, uh, the, uh, during this period from 2001, after the referendum and until nowadays, there are several uh, scenarios were uh, discussed where to move the airport, And uh, one of them was in uh, Kvasakroin. this is the part of the lava field between uh, Keplavik and Habnafjördur, but as we know, uh, as we learned in 2021, uh, that was a pretty bad idea because uh, eventually a volcano eruption started just in the middle of this area. (laughs) So yes. very good that they didn't <laughs> start any construction work before that.
0: Yes, and uh, it really is very close to the site of that eruption.
1: Yeah, so. yes, and uh, it's actually even uh, from my perspective, it doesn't make a lot of sense even without volcanic eruption because it will be just halfway to Keplevik, and yeah. like what what would you gain? It will not be available from downtown you still uh, spend a lot of time to go yeah. there
0: i suppose but yeah so by the time you've reached it because it's to the west of hopnefield is yeah, it so by the time yeah. you get there you might as well keep going to Gap-Livik, yeah
1: the, the difference in time between kaplaw yeah, yeah. and constograd is just 15 minutes yeah, yeah, mostly yeah. by car so uh, there are several other options but they even worse than classicron uh, because uh, for like to establish a new airport first you need to make a lot of research and first of all on uh, weather patterns there wind patterns because I need to plan how to build runways for the, for the airport uh, but another thing that uh, this idea to build a new airport from scratch uh, will cost mostly all money of the world you know because especially yeah. especially here in Iceland and uh, in particular I know that there were when there were talks the most active talks back in like 2017 2016 uh, there was uh, one of the estimation from the back then ministry for industry trade and trade Ranik daughter and she said that uh, she estimated this new airport would cost between 22 and 25 billion. Icelandic kronos which is back then was something between 150 170 million euro mm. and it's huge price for Iceland I mean do you really want that much the new like to move the airport because it would be it would be much easier just yeah. to keep it here
0: I, I mean there are probably some people who live in the the flight path or close to the airport in the city center who say who would take a view that actually, yes, it is worth investing that money because they live so close to an airport which is very noisy and very disruptive to their
1: lives? Well, you know, this problem of people who live under the glide slope not... It's not an Icelandic problem. It's a worldwide problem yeah, because yeah. the the pattern there that first people just see a very good price for apartment, they probably do not consider all factors. When they move there, they eventually know that there's just an airport, just like several hundred meters yeah. I mean, from it's you. It's not hidden,
0: is it, really? Yeah,
1: and then and then they were like, okay, yeah. what should we do? Is it our mistake? No. Instead of this, we just should close the airport. So, this yeah. is like the logic, and it goes uh, like in the u s there's a big problem uh, there as well when when all these like you know small yeah. t- towns of of the what, houses built.
0: what do you think is going to happen then because one possibility is that the the process that we're seeing already of flights moving. From Reykjavik to Kaplvik, as we see with some of those Greenland flights and, and the Faroes flights.
1: Yeah, but it was it was made not because of the like uh, transportation availability of the Reykjavik airport, but because it's just for easier connection for uh, sure. I, for Icelanders.
0: Sure, but I wonder if that might be a plan for the future to minimize the number of flights that go through the domestic airport, limit it in fact just to those domestic. Lifeline services to other Icelandic towns?
1: Well, if you're talking about the regular flights, there are not many of them already. Uh, not that much. I mean, like in Kaplavik for example. Uh, most of the noise pollution there is, uh, for example, flight schools. Uh, the small p- uh, planes with a piston engine propeller which are flying and this is again essential part of, of Icelandic aviation mm, because mm. Uh, Iceland need more pilots because the economy is growing uh, and after the COVID all, uh, all air traffic is booming so Icelanders and other airlines they just need uh, more pilots and this is an essential part of the development. Mm. Uh, second thing is a private jet uh, which also made the headlines uh, last uh, last year I guess when it turned out that there was an extremely cheap price to store your business jet and Reykjavik airport and again this is just a business policy of 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 the airport and the company uh, which uh, serves the planes there uh, and and uh, what what can you do there well, for the business jet you can limit it uh, by the law somehow you can put the higher price for example just economic yeah. measure right so i put some new tax maybe if you want to go directly to downtown pay to Iceland more more money for that for for your sure. co- comfort okay. for 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 the flight schools private aviation it's harder to say because uh, well i cannot be very like very neutral here because uh, me myself i'm a flight student in one of the flight schools in Reykjavik Uh, so I, for me, it's extremely convenient just to go there, not to Kaplavik, for example, for my uh, flight lessons to fly the small planes. so I would, and also there are this, uh, it's called Flugarter, uh, where there's uh, stores for the private uh, planes, small private planes, mostly owned by Icelanders. And this is just another tradition for yeah. Icelanders to fly, because since this very first flight in 1919, when uh, some people were introduced to these uh, pleasure flights, uh, uh, aviation became one of the tradition in Iceland. And for example. When uh, when I talk with, uh, when I meet new people here in Iceland and I just tell them, like, ask them, uh, have you ever flown on the small plane? And usually in other countries, people say like, oh, no, this is something, would be something new to me. Yes. But in Iceland, the answer, oh, yeah, sure. My grandfather took me when I was three years old and we, we just flew to Vik or, you yeah, know, yeah, to Akureyri yeah. or whatever. Aviation
0: is going to be important because we are an island. And we have communities that are separated by pretty significant distances. You can drive them, but not all year round, and it takes a long time to do so. So aviation is going to continue to matter. Again, do you think, is it your sense, that the domestic airport in Reykjavik is going to continue to be a big part of that?
1: I do believe that Reykjavik airport needs to be in a very downtown of Reykjavik because it has so many advantages of having it there
0: that, that's your view but do you think that that view will continue if it is held by people continue to be held by people uh,
1: you know the situation is really 50 50 right now because there are some people who uh, maybe don't care that much about uh, about uh, looking for apartments somewhere further from downtown they just want to live here and doesn't matter what what it, what it cost yeah. and of course they would just look, uh, because the again the property like the real estate market is just as you know booming with the prices so much and uh, it's very uh, difficult to find a proper apartment mm. in 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 Reykjavik um, so i i would like to say that i would say that yeah the airport will be there because to remove it it will be it's so big decision that there should be a very a very huge support for that decision.
0: All right. Well, listen, we've talked a lot about the domestic airport, and maybe in a future episode, who knows, we can talk about and give more time to Keplovic International Airport, because its history is completely different. That's true. But really fascinating. And that's before we even get into, you doubtless be aware of this, the delays in the expansion of Akureyri Airport, which were announced just a few days ago as well. So there's (laughs) there's a lot to maybe... Get into at some point in the future. Uh, For now, Andre, thank you very much indeed. Andre Mishenin joins me uh, as an aviation journalist, looking at the history there of the airport, the domestic airport in Reykjavik city centre, which at the time of our recording is still very much firmly in the centre. Of the capital. This is the roof English podcast. You can get in touch anytime. The email address: english at ruv.
1: You're listening to the roof English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv. english